if you've ever flown before, and some of you have flown a lot, something you know, something that you know by now, and that is that that speech, most of us drown it out. Like, we're still, like put your devices away, you're like, what? I'm not on my device, don't look, you know. Um, but that speech, if you've heard it before, there's one part of it that I don't want you to miss. It's the most important part of that talk, in my opinion. Amy, great job. Um, and that is that if something happens to the plane, an engine goes out, ah, you're <laughs> descending quickly, uh, extreme turbulence perhaps, or cabin pressure of some kind, right? That your oxygen mask will fall down if there's a lack of oxygen in, in, in where you are. And what, what does she say? If the oxygen masks fall down, put on your own mask first, right? Put on your own mask first before you help someone next to you put on their mask. Now, that's hard to do, isn't it? Because if you're sitting next to your child, you're like, I get my child's mask on them real bad. I gotta, I gotta take care of this. Or it's an elderly person or someone who's, who's panicked or needs help. You wanna help them get their mask on first. But what is the, the instruction is to put your mask on first. And here's why. Because if you don't put on your mask and they're struggling because they're panicking and it's hard to get theirs on, and because you don't put your mask on, you pass out, you're not helping them either. What did you say? It takes about three minutes and you're going to pass out? Three minutes? And so uh, the first thing to do is get your mask on and after you are breathing, (laughs) then you're in a position to help the person next to you that you want to help get on their own mask, right? And that's so important, and it's counterintuitive to the parent or to whoever in us that wants to serve, but you can't serve anyone else if you passed out. So put on your own mask first. And that's what we're talking about in this sermon series. We started a new series last Sunday called Recharge. Recharge is about getting back to full when life leaves you feeling drained. And if you don't recharge, you can't serve your purpose because you're drained and you're empty and we've got to recharge. Or in today's analogy, if you don't have your own mask on in a time of turbulence, you can't help anybody else if you pass out. So you got to take care of yourself if you're going to take care of others. We're, we're, We're created to take care of others. We're created for a purpose to serve. But we can't do it if we don't take care of ourselves. So get your mask on. Now, here's the thing. Obviously, we wouldn't just put our mask on and ignore the person next to us. (laughs) That's your problem, not mine. If they were struggling, we'd help them. That's what we're called to do. But you got to start with you. But here's a little thought for you today. Have you noticed that, well, hopefully you've never noticed because you've never been on a a flight that had a problem like this before. But whatever's going wrong, if you put on your oxygen mask in that moment, the problem that caused the masks to drop in the first place is still there. Like putting on your oxygen mask doesn't make the problem go away, does it? Wouldn't that be nice? You're like, hey, wait a minute. I put on my oxygen mask. Why are we still descending too quickly? You know, it, you know why, why is the uh, engine still out or why is there still turbulence? Because that is beyond your control. You know, you can't control what's going on. That's, that's, that's beyond your pay grade. But you can put on your mask and you're like, well, what's the point of putting on your mask if we're going to crash and die? True. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry for that. <laughs> but... What if, likely, the problem gets resolved and everything turns out okay? But you're not okay because before it turns out okay, you were panicking and not putting on your mask, and we lose you. You know what I'm saying? You can't control what's happening to the plane. You can only control that you do your part. And that's kind of like life. Life happens to us, doesn't it? The reason the masks come down is because crazy things are happening. And, and, and putting it on won't help you. 
It won't, it won't fix the issue, but it will help you survive the moment. And in your life, you can't fix everything that's happening in your life. You can't, you say, well, I'm, I'm just having trouble breathing because there's just so much going on. And you can't solve all of that. Some of it's beyond your scope. You can't fix everything. But here's the thing. You can breathe. And that's the key. Just, just breathe. Because if you're not breathing, then you're not helping anybody, including yourself. And this is so important to our mental and our emotional recharging. It's not about finding utopia, a problem-free life, everything's perfect. It's not about that. It's not relief from the responsibilities that tax you. It's about our ability to refocus and re-engage and, re- and recharge so then we can re-engage. So, but here's the thing. Let's be honest. In the thick of life's turbulent seasons, in the, th- in the thick of the turbulence of your life, sometimes you can feel mentally overloaded. Some of you today, you're like overloaded. You're like, Woo-hoo-hoo. or maybe you feel mentally drained or just anxious. You're struggling with anxiety because of the load of life. And I, I know somebody in this room today or online, that's your story. You're either overloaded or drained or you're struggling with anxiety because of the turbulence of life and the plane that you're on. And I'm going to give you some suggestions for a few minutes here that I want you to consider taking home. And I'm gonna tell you, there's like eight suggestions I'm gonna give you. They're gonna fall under three kind of big headings. So I'll give you the three headings now. They won't make sense until I get to the sub-thoughts. But the three big ideas today are gonna be this. Write it down. We'll explain momentarily. Write it down. Zoom out and zoom in. And give yourself a break. Now, in those three categories, I'm going to give you about eight um, ideas. Now, if you're here today and you're like, great, Arlen, the planes, my life's plane is shaky, there's turbulence, and I'm overloaded, and I'm freaking out, and I got eight things that is not helping me right now. I don't need eight things. I understand. So here's what I want you to do with this moment. I'm going to ask you to consider writing them down. It was just not the point there, but that's another story. Uh, write them down on paper or on your device or phone. And, and here's the thing. All eight of these suggestions are not going to apply to you. Some things I'm going to say, you're going to be like, eh, that's not really for me. That doesn't help me. But probably two or three of the things I'm going to say are going to tap you in the shoulder. Probably two or three of the things I'm going to say, you're going to be like, yep, I need to do that. Ooh, that would be helpful, Right? So if those two or three things, I want you to underline them or highlight them, put a star next to them, okay? And when you leave the service today, here's what I want you to do. Don't worry about all eight. Don't even worry about the two or three that hit home. Just pick one. Just pick one and start there. You can always come back to the others later, but if you're, if you're overloaded or drained or whatever's going on today, just breathe. Take these things down. Pick one. And start there when we go home today. I'm going to talk about the first one. Then I'm going to share some scripture with you after that. Then we'll talk about the other ones, okay? First of all, let me talk about write it down. Write it down. What does that mean? What do I mean when I say write it down? Well, what I mean is this. Depending on what's causing your anxiety, what's causing your drain or your overload, it could be different things. Perhaps for some of you, it's your fears. So I want to say to you, write down your fears, Write down your fears. Write down, literally, write down what you're afraid of. You can do this on your tablet or your device, but I would recommend in this case, write it out on paper, and I'll tell you why later. Write it down. 
And what I mean is write down exactly what you're afraid of. What are you afraid is going to happen? What are you afraid about in the future? Some of you, you're saying, I'm, I'm afraid that if I make the wrong decision, it's going to go sideways. I'm afraid that if I don't make the right decision, I'm just, I'm just afraid of outcomes. I'm afraid of the future. What are you afraid of? Write down what you are afraid of. You say, well, Arlen, how does that help me? And, and here's how. Our fears tend to live our fears tend to live in the dark recesses of our mind, and they cast long shadows. But writing down your fears takes them out of the dark recesses of your mind and brings them into the light of day. And when you do that, you're able to see them with your eyes. And sometimes you look at some of your fears and you might say, well, that seems kind of silly now that I wrote it down. Or, or you might say, well, that one isn't very likely after all. Maybe one of them feels very real. And you know what you do then? You look at those fears and say, okay, that's what I'm afraid of. Let's say it happens. If my fears happen, what will I do? Think about it. Well, I guess if that happens, I would have to adjust this way. I'd have to figure something out here. I'd have to, I'd have to accept this reality. I'd have to go. You just think about if those fears happen, what would you have to do? And just process it through. Take them out of the dark recesses of your mind and put them in the light of day. And what's going to happen is this, and this is such a good life hack if you're struggling with fear. What's going to happen is the things that you're afraid of are just as real as they ever were. But by writing them down and looking at them, putting them in the light, and even thinking about, okay, then what? It doesn't change all the problems, but it gives you a little space to catch your breath from the fears that suffocate and that's what we're trying to go for here. We're just trying to keep you breathing in the middle of the overload. So write down your fears. Number two, and this is someone else you struggle with feeling overwhelmed, write down your to-dos. Someone today, what was causing you to feel drained or overloaded is you have so much to do. Arlen, I have so much to do. Once in a while, I'll say to somebody, okay, you have so much to do. What do you have to do? And it's interesting because occasionally someone will start to rattle off their to-do list. And they'll name a couple things, and they'll start repeating themselves. They'll say the same thing in a different word, you know. And then they'll start saying things that they can't even do. And it's just like, I just have so much to do. So here's what I want you to do. If that's your struggle point, and you're overloaded because there's so much to do, and you're, just, you're drowning, I want to ask you to write down your to-dos. And here's the secret. You can only write down things that you're actually able to do. Are you with me? In other words, you can write down, I better cut the grass because the neighbor's going to call the police, okay? Cut the grass, that, that, can, that can work on the list. But you can't write down, make my kids turn out right. That's not something you can do. You can, you can write down, pray for my children, right? You can, but but you, you can't say, because all you can do is influence. And then that's up to them and God, right? So you can, you can, here's what you can write down. You can write down, spend 30 minutes with one of my children today. Spend 30 minutes with my child. You can write that down. That's fine. That's a to-do. But you can't write down, solve all my problems, become wealthy today. <laughs> you can write down, invest something or work an extra hour. I mean, but you, you know what I'm saying? Write down what you can actually do. Take all the ethereal stuff off the list. And that way, this whole, I'm overloaded, I can't breathe because I have so much to do, you'll actually see what you have to do. And it might still be a pretty substantial list. But then once you have it written down, you know what you do next? You just pick one, and you start doing it. 
And what happens is this. By knowing what you actually can do and have to do and starting on one of the actual tasks that you can check off, it doesn't make life easier, but it helps you breathe better. It will help you with the load that seems to be suffocating you at the time. So write down your fears. Write down your to-dos. And here's one more thing for you. Write down your blessings. Write down your blessings. This is a big idea. What are you thankful for in life? What is good? Write it down. Because I know what happens when we're, when, we're under, when we're full of anxiety and pressure, it's sometimes hard to think about what's good. I mean, we know it's there. Like, yeah, yeah, I know I have blessings, whatever. But it's hard to think about them when we're under pressure, when we're having trouble catching our breath. So write down what you're thankful for. Because here's the thing. In the middle of your problems are the things you're thankful for. And crazy enough, sometimes they're the same thing. Example, what's, what's causing you to feel overloaded? Oh, it's my children. Oh, my kids are just draining me. And I just, I, they keep me running all the time. And I just can't even, I can't even with these kids. What are you thankful for? My kids. Oh, my job is so busy. I can't just, it's so keeping me happy. What are you thankful for? I have a job. I mean, we can go on and on with this. Oftentimes, the thing that's causing you to feel overloaded is also the thing that you're thankful for. Write down your blessings. It won't solve the problems, but it might just give you a little bit of a chance to catch your breath. Write it down. Next, I want to say this. Zoom out. And zoom in. What does that mean? Well, I want to tell you what I mean by that. But I first need to take you to some Bible verses, so follow along with me. We're looking at Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 25. And this is a great Bible passage. I'm going to set it up here. This is from the Sermon on the Mount. If you've ever read the Sermon on the Mount, it's the famous sermon that Jesus preached. It's in Matthew 5, Matthew 6, and Matthew 7. It's phenomenal. He probably preached it everywhere, but it's recorded in that one time. Um, and in the middle of that sermon, he addresses a crowd of people who probably had more pressure than you and I have. That's another story for another day. But he talks to them and he talks to you. And here's what he says, Matthew 6, 25. He says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Isn't that easier said than done? Like, what in the world? You know, whether you have enough food and drink. By the way, for us, to have enough food and drink it means something different than it meant back then. For us, we're like, do I have enough food and drink? We go to our cupboards and we're like, there's nothing to eat. What that means is, well, first of all, there's probably something to eat. Second of all, it just means we got to call Instacart and uh, place our order and, you know, pick it up later, you know. They didn't have that choice back then, did they? No, but we do. Or it's your kids saying, mom, there's nothing to eat in the house. And you're like, there's leftovers in the fridge. <sighs> you know, okay. So we have something to eat. But, but in these people's cases, they were praying, Lord, give us today our daily bread. Life back then in an agrarian culture was no technology from before dark till after dark, all day long, working to eke out a living, no refrigeration. I mean, life was different. But he says, don't worry about your everyday life, whether you have enough food to eat or drink or enough clothes to wear. Again, enough clothes to wear for us means you go to your closet packed to the gills with outfits that are so tight they're wrinkling each other. And you say, I don't know, that doesn't fit anymore, and that one, I'm tired of that. And, you know, whereas they were saying, if my sandals wear out, what am I going to do? You know? So Jesus is like, don't worry about these things. Isn't life, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? You're like, well, I don't know, Arlen. I mean, I don't know, Jesus. 
at the time he was saying that because if I don't have food, I ain't going to have any life. I'm going to die. Right. you got to have food to, to live, right? But isn't life more than just food? Like if you can have all the food you need, you can eat and sleep and eat and sleep until you die, and that's all the purpose you found, that's all the meaning you found, that's all the connection you found, is that all that there is to live for? What's the point? Isn't life more? Isn't there, if, you, if you were to step back from it all, isn't there more to life than just this whole, how am I going to make it through the day? Isn't there more? I want to go, come back to that later. Verse 26, look at the birds. Don't miss that word look there. I should have bolded that. Look at the birds. We'll come back to looking later. Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? And then this next statement is so good. Oh my goodness, take this home with you. Verse 27, Jesus says, Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? This is something to wrestle to the ground today. This is the question that maybe some of us need to ask ourselves. This is worth coming for. Can all my worries add a single moment to my life? I mean, some of us, we ought to put that on our screensaver, on our phone or our tablet, or put it somewhere where we'll see it a lot. Put it on the ceiling above your bed so you'll stare at it. Can all my worries add a single moment to my life? And we know the answer. No, they can't. They can't add a single moment. You know what they can do? They can take moments from my life. They can diminish my health. They can run me down. But they can't add anything to it. They can just make it worse in the interim. He goes on. And why worry about your clothing? Look at the, there's the word look again. Notice that phrase. Look. We'll come back to that. Look at the lilies of the field. Look at the flowers. How they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, in other words, they have short lifespans, he will certainly care for you because you are made in his image. You are made in his likeness. Why do you have so little faith? Isn't that a good statement right there? Why do you have so little faith? See, what does faith have to do with it? I'm talking about anxiety. I'm talking about, I'm talking about you know, feeling overloaded or drained or something. What does faith have to do with it? We're going to come back to that in just a moment. But remember that question, why do you have so little faith? Let's keep reading first. Verse 31, So don't worry about these things, saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? Here it is, verse 32. These thoughts, these things, dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. That's where the faith comes in. Because if someone is living life and they don't have faith, they don't have any belief that there is a God who is there and who is aware and who cares. They don't have that. All they have is just this life, and it's a, it's, a, it's a survival of the fittest, man. It's dog-eat-dog dog world. It's a jungle out there. i got to scrape by to get them. How's it going to work out? If you live your life without that faith that there's someone there and there's something bigger, then, man, those things will dominate your thoughts. But if we who call ourselves believers, who call ourselves Jesus followers, who, who, who have faith, why would we live that way? Because he says, we know something that everyone can know, but many don't know or choose not to believe. We know something, or we should know something, and that is that we have a heavenly Father. And he already knows all of our needs. That we should be aware as people of faith that there is a God in heaven who knows our needs and who loves us. 
And that should make the difference in how we sort the pressures and the anxieties of this life because we're operating from a place of that faith. He goes on to say in verse 33, seek the kingdom of God above all else. In other words, above all else, it's so, it's so counterintuitive. We tend to say, I'm overloaded, I need to be all about me, and I'm for, I'm preaching today, take time to breathe. But, but life sometimes is counter, counterintuitive. Like, you know, Jesus left the splendors of heaven to come down and, and serve us and tells us to do the same. How do I serve somebody else and how do I do good in this world if I'm, you know, if I'm, struggling, and yet somehow that's usually where we find our freedom. It takes the, the pressure off of it just being about us and what's gripping us. By pouring into something else and somebody else and his kingdom, it takes the pressure off a bit, gives us a chance to breathe. Live right or live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. That's our faith. That's our faith right there. Verse 34. So, don't worry about tomorrow. Again, easier said than done. Don't worry about tomorrow. Here's why. For tomorrow will bring its own worries. In other words, when we get to tomorrow, guess what's gonna come tomorrow? Tomorrow's problems. But sometimes we're guilty of taking today and saying, I'm gonna deal with today's problems and I'm gonna go ahead and borrow tomorrow's along with them. I'm gonna worry about now and later. I'm gonna worry about this and that. He's like, why are you borrowing tomorrow's worries today? They're going to be there anyhow. He says, today's trouble. Today's trouble is enough for today. In other words, if we were to focus in here and what's in front of us, why do we want to add the pressure of saying, I've not only got this to deal with, but I also have tomorrow's junk and the next day's mess? Just, it'll be there when it gets there. Why pile it on today and we can't even focus on what today needs because we're so overwhelmed and so overloaded. It's a big idea right there. And in those verses, I, by the way, this is not on your to-do list, but I'm going to give you an extra bonus one, number nine, okay? And that is this. Write down these verses. Like write down Matthew 6, 25 through 34, and take these verses home with you. And sometime this week, read them again. When I'm not up here rambling way too long and way too fast, take them home with you and read them for yourself this week. And let the Holy Spirit of God take these thoughts and put them in your soul and help you. Because there's so much good stuff in those verses that we just read. But that brings us to this idea from those verses, which is this. Zoom out and zoom in. Now, when I say zoom out and zoom in, I'll start with zoom out. What I mean is this. Picture this. Sometimes we're kind of stuck in this middle space. We're like not focused on what's in front of us because we're worried about what's coming next. And all the things we have to do, not just what's right in front of us, but we're also not looking at the broader picture. We're kind of in this middle zone and we're just lost and we're having a hard time catching our breath emotionally, mentally. And so I'm going to say zoom out and zoom in. Now what does that mean? Zoom out means, okay, some of you, all of us, we have phones, we have devices. If you were to open Google Maps right now, you would see probably your location, like a little blue circle, right? That's what my... My Apple Maps does that at least. There's a little blue circle. It says, yeah, that's where I'm at right there. It's, it's finding me on my device. They know where I'm at. <laughs> so you got your little, your blue, your blue circle. So this helped me. Okay, yesterday Michelle and I took a walk on the bike trail about five miles or so. We, about five miles we walked a little further north than we sometimes do to get change of scenery. We found a little trail off the bike trail going behind a subdivision that we didn't know was there. It turned out to be Cherville. And it went up behind a, a pond. It was really nice. 
And so we, we decided to take that detour, and we're adding time to our walk. And at some point, I'm like, where does this thing come out at? So I pull up my phone, I open my map, and there I was, the blue dot. Ah. But then I'm like, well, where am I? So I zoomed out on the map, and oh, there's the neighborhood I'm in. There's the street that's coming up. Zoom out further, there's the town I'm in. I'm in Cherville. Zoom out further, oh, we're in Indiana. I had no idea. Uh, zoom out, you, know, you can zoom out and see the bigger picture, right? Now, here's what I'm saying. I'm saying that as you and I, as we are stuck in life in this middle space, sometimes just zooming out and looking at the bigger picture. Because in the, in, the, in the interim, we're like stressed out and annoyed. But when you zoom out, you see everything. You do what Jesus said when he said, zoom out and realize that your life is more than today's food or today's, clothes or today's problems. Zoom out. Now I'm going to give you an illustration of what this might look like. And this might not apply to some of you, and that's fine. Just maybe think through how this could apply to you in a different analogy. But for example, if you're raising kids, it's Mother's Day and we're dealing with baby dedications. So if you're raising kids, at some point along the way, Zooming out is important because you're in the moment, you're annoyed. You're like, man, they're not cooperating. These kids aren't cooperating. It's a mess and it never changes. And I got these annoyances around me. Or perhaps you're working a lot and you finally get some time off. Now you got to run errands and, and, and everyone's just disruptive and no one's happy anyhow. And you're not happy and the traffic is stupid and the prices are dumb and everything's wrong and you're going through all this stuff and you're just like, ugh. And here's the thing, when you zoom out, when you zoom out and look at the big picture one day, this season of life's going to pass and the kids are grown. And you're, no one's going to remember all the little things that were annoying you. You won't remember and neither will they. You know what will be remembered then? Is how you seemed. Man, mom, mom was just angry all the time. Man, dad was just always annoyed. How, 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 they, how we felt, how people felt around us. That's what we'll be enduring. And we don't want to look back in those days and say, man, I wish I would go back in time and left a better impression. But in the moments we're so focused on all the things that aren't right that we forget to zoom out and say, does this matter? So I, I pastor, besides being a dad and a husband, I'm a, a pastor, and I used to teach high school. I was a high school teacher of history. And sometimes working with people, working with students, same thing for me. Just like you get annoyed. I'm annoyed by you know, the problems of ministry, the problems of serving God. And, 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 and here's the thing. If I zoom out and I realize that in the long run, I won't and no one's going to remember all the things that were bothersome to me and stressing me out. They're going to remember, and I'm going to remember, that people feel cared for. Did they feel loved? Was I excited to see them? How was I happy? Was I, was I caring? And so i got to zoom out sometimes, and so do you. Zoom out sometimes and remember, what is this we're trying to do in life? Zooming out can help you just say, okay, time to breathe. <laughs> time to breathe. Big picture. And then, once you zoom out, I want you to zoom all the way in. Zoom in. What does that mean? Well, I zoom in, I mean, you don't have to do everything right now. You just got to do what's right in front of you. You just got to learn to be in the moment. Zooming out lets you see the big picture. Zooming in helps you see what's right now. Sometimes you just got to do the task. It's that list. I can't do all the things, things on my list that's tomorrow, that's later today. What can I do right now? I, I'm with my children and I'm, things are annoying, but I don't need to be, I, I need to be in the moment right now. I need to be in the moment. Learn, folks, if we can learn sometimes to zoom out to get perspective and then zoom in and be in the moment. Make the moment count. Make the memory count. Don't just lose the moment worrying about tomorrow or worrying about all the other stuff you can't control. Take the moment to be in the moment and zoom in. 
focus on what's in front of us. It's a big idea. What can you do right now? So what are our big ideas? I said, write it down. I said, zoom out and zoom in. And then thirdly, my third category is give yourself a break. Now, when I say this, what I mean is take a break. You ever been around somebody at work? I haven't even eaten lunch today. Well, you need to take a break. I don't have time to take a break. Well, you need to, right? Take a break. But also, if the words can say a dual message here, I also mean give yourself a break. Like lighten up on yourself, okay? Because here's why. You can't control everything. Listen, here's, the, here's a, a thought that helps all of us if we remember it. It's kind of sarcastic, but it's true. We're not God. I'm not God. You're not God. It's like being in the airplane and saying the turbulence is going on and the plane is shaking and the oxygen mask falls down. You don't got to figure out how to fix the engine or get up in the cockpit and solve the problems. There are just some things beyond our pay grade. There's some things that are out of our control. But we can put on our mask and do our part. We're, you're not God. And by the way, we're not even perfect ourselves. I'm not, I, I mess up just being me, don't you? So give yourself a break and, and take a break along the way. So what do I mean by take a break? Well, here's a few things for you to take home. Number one, don't, moms, don't, when I say this, don't laugh at what I'm about to say. If you've got young kids, I know. I know this is ridiculous, but hear me out. Find some silence, Okay. I said not laugh, okay? Look, I know you're like, find some silence. Have you been in my house? I mean, I mean, I go to the bathroom and I lock the door and a minute later, there's little fingers underneath the door. Mommy, where are you? He's all finding some silence. I know, I know, I get it. This is crazy talk up here. And, and they say one thing about that before I move on. Maybe what some of you need to do if it's that bad is when your husband is around to say, here, take the little demon, I mean the little bundle of joy and blessing, take the kids, I am going to go away and be in silence for an hour, and this is your problem for an hour. And I'll get, look, I know you've worked hard too. I'll give you an hour later. We'll take our hours. You know, maybe something else has to go, but we're going to get my silence, okay? I'm going to take this, but find some silence along the way. Because here's the thing, and here's what's funny. Life is noise and busyness, and it's hard for us to find rest. And then we're crazy, okay? We're cray-cray. We try to distract ourselves with other noise, you know, it's called, it's called technology today. Jesus didn't have to deal with this when he wrote the Bible 2,000 years ago. I wish he was here now, okay? Here's the thing. Like, we're like, I gotta take a break. So our break is video games, Netflix, YouTube, and social media. Watching what the Joneses are doing and looking at someone else's highlight reel on Instagram and making yourself feel insecure. You know, all these things are happening. That's just noise. That's not finding some silence. We don't know how to find silence anymore. We use our devices to take the edge off. And I'm saying it's time to find some silence and turn them off. Turn off the noise. Turn off the distraction. Remember last Sunday, if you were with us last Sunday, we told a story about Jesus telling his disciples, you guys have been working really hard doing the, the work. Jesus said, guys, let's go to a quiet place and rest a while and get something to eat. That was Mark chapter 6, right? Go to a quiet place, rest a while, get something to eat. When's the last time you went to a quiet place? Even in our cars, we're like, crank something up. I gotta have noise, noise, noise. Just find some silence. In fact, earlier, if you were watching our verses earlier, remember that word look? It said, look at the birds, look at the flowers. That does not mean go on YouTube and find 10 hours of bird videos, okay? That's not what it's talking about. It means take all the distractions off. In fact, if I can dare say so, take a walk. 
Take a walk. We up there? Here we go. Take a walk. Now, here's the thing. Listen, here's the thing, folks. This is a big deal. And I'm like, oh, of course Arlen's going to say take a walk. Clockwork with him every time, right? I know, I know, but bear with me. It's just taking all the (laughs) the devices off and just going out there and saying, oh, look. Nature existed before my technology and all the noise. You say, Arlen, cute idea. I have no spare time to take a walk. I have so much to do. Here's the truth. If you take an hour, so we try to do take an hour to to walk for a few miles. If you take an hour off or a week off for vacation, like, I can't do that. Here's the the newsflash. The world will keep on turning without you. Say, oh, no, it won't. No, it will. And if you don't take your breaks and you collapse and die because of it, the world will keep on turning after you're gone. You're like, well, that makes me feel very depressed. How, how, am I very needed then? (laughs) Yes and no. That's not, that could be depressing, but that should be encouraging. I remember as a pastor years ago, I had so much pressure on my plate, and everyone depended on me, and God, some things happened in my life, and our lives, that just kind of humbled me. And I went to a spot where I realized that I thought I was so essential, but if I was gone tomorrow, life would carry on. It doesn't mean that I don't add value. I add value, I think, to my wife, to my children, to my church. And, and, and if I was gone, it would be difficult, it would be a struggle, and it would be, that's because I, because I add value. But in the end, through the struggle, people, the world would figure out how to keep going. It did before I got here for all these years. And after I'm gone, it just will. And that could be humbling or that could be, that could be relieving. Like, you don't got to own it all, man. You can afford to carve out an hour for a walk or a vacation time because it's going to keep on figuring out. It's gonna, we're gonna, people are going to adjust and life will go on. So you got to stay breathing. You got to stay moving. Take a walk. By the way, you say, well, that was last week's point on physically recharging. I know. But a lot of last week's points apply to today, like taking a walk, like exercise and diet. In fact, one of the things we said last week applies today, and that is get some sleep. Get some sleep. This is a big idea. Like, um, I mean, listen, is, I, won't, I, won't be, be, I won't belabor this point because I made it last week. Scientifically, this is true. Sleep is not only good for you physically, it's good for you mentally. See, I have too much to do to get more sleep. You will do more things and you will do them more efficiently and you will do them more correctly. And you will have to re-undo and re-fix things. I know it's counterintuitive to us. I need more time to do things. Getting sleep will make you more efficient in life. And it's not just good physically, it's good mentally. It's good because, I don't know, I'm a hot mess sometimes when I'm underslept. I'm, I'm the crier in my family. We watch a sad movie. Michelle will tell you. If there's a sad movie and there's a sad scene in it and someone's crying in the room, don't look at me. I'm over there like hiding my face because I'm just that one. But you get me underslept and I'm like a... So listen, sleep, man, is good for you. It's good for you mentally. And then what have we said so far today? We said write it down. Zoom out, zoom in. Give yourself a break. Somewhere in those eight or nine suggestions, including the scriptures to be told you to write down, something you need today. Maybe two or three things that would help you. Pick one and start there. Pick one and start there. But in the end, Jesus told us not to be controlled by anxiety. But as we all know, worrying or not worrying is easier said than done. How do we go about it? So I'm going to close with three more Bible verses from Philippians chapter 4. 
and these are good. Write these ones down too. Maybe this will help you in your study time this week when I'm not rambling at you. Philippians chapter 4, beginning with verse 6, and we'll be done here. The Bible says this. Don't worry about anything. Again, easier said than done. Don't worry about anything. Instead, instead, pray about everything. Now, that's a big idea. What Jesus is saying to us, what the Bible is saying to us, is to turn our worry time into prayer time because it's a much better plan. Because let's be honest, worrying won't make things better. Worrying will make you sick. But prayer might just make a difference, right? So don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Turn your worry time into prayer time. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he has already done. Thank him for all he's done. This statement right here, this statement right here is what we said earlier about writing down your blessings. Thanking God for what he's done. Can I tell you, I want to give you, you ever see those customer reviews, like a satisfied customer reviews on the back of a product or on a website? I want to give my own personal customer review that works. I can't tell you how many times through the years that I have been overloaded or drained or filled with anxiety. And I couldn't handle it all. And I, I decided I needed to talk, and I was worrying. And I remembered this verse and said I need to pray. So I, you know what I did? I took a walk. Don't judge me. I, I, I took a walk, okay, so I can pray. And I went outside and I began to walk and say, God, you said not to worry. You said to pray, so I'm going to tell you what I'm worried about. Oh, and you also said to thank you, so let me begin by thanking you for my blessings and all that you've done. And it's amazing. Whenever I've taken that walk, whether it's 20 minutes or an hour, and I come back, I'm just telling you, satisfied customer, every time it works. It does not fix all my problems. It does not make the turbulence of my life disappear. But every single time I've done that, when I come back, I'm able to catch my breath. I'm not suffocating quite so much. I'm able to breathe. That's the point. That's the point of the oxygen mask. Is just The plane still might be in trouble, but you can breathe. Try it. Don't worry about anything. Turn your worry time into prayer time. And when you go out there, just thank God for his blessings and come back and tell me after giving thanks for a little while for the good things and then telling God about what you're struggling with that you don't at least breathe a little bit easier and find your way through the fog. It works. He goes on to say this. In fact, here's what he says in the very next verse, verse 7. He says, Then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. And that's a powerful statement. God's peace is inexplicable. I can't explain it in words. We can't put it in a package and sell it on the marketplace. It's just beyond our explanation. But there's a peace that comes from God that defies our understanding. And his peace will guard your hearts and minds. His peace will protect your mental well-being, your minds and your heart as you live in Christ Jesus, as you live a life of faith. Last verse, verse 8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. Those are good words. Fix your thoughts means, the Bible says elsewhere, to cast out imaginations and bring thoughts into captivity. It means all the other thoughts, put them aside. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. I've taught that verse before. We don't have time to go into it now because it's time to go home. But here's the thing. 
What this verse is reminding us is that some of the times the problem we have when we're overloaded or wiped out or full of anxiety is we are guilty of stinking thinking, okay? We're guilty of all the things. It's not true. It's what we're afraid is true. It's not lovely. It's all the nightmares we're wrestling with. It's not excellent. We're th- we've got some stinking thinking, and it's tearing us apart. And, and, and Paul says, look, get your thoughts centered. How? Well, he said, stop worrying. Pray about it. Thank God for what he's done. Let God's peace wash over the mess because the turbulence is still out there. The plane is still shaky, but you just need to breathe. In the end, remember this. You don't have to make it through alone. If you're here today, listen, if you, are, if you have a person, of, if you have faith in God at all, hear me today, you don't have to make it through alone. Because you know something that people who can't or don't believe or won't believe don't understand, and you understand something, that there is a God in heaven. He calls himself our heavenly father, but he's so much more. Heavenly father is just like a term we use because we can understand what a perfect father should or could look like. But that's just a human construct. He's so much better than a father. But your God, your maker, the lover of your soul, your heavenly father, he knows what you're going through. You are not going through it alone. You're not facing it alone. You don't have to. And that can make all the difference between suffocating under the load and breathing. Your Father knows.